0: Hi there, and good day. Welcome to North Bay's Heritage Diary. Listen up, and we shall weave for you tales of days and times gone by, which can inform today and show the way to tomorrow. This Municipal Heritage Committee podcast looks at our town, our people, and our stories. This time, we open our diary of voices from the past for a conversation with the late Bob Stutholm, World War II veteran, Legion member, and life member of 406 Wing and championship curler. This was originally recorded in January 2008 as part of the Kojiko cable series Life Is. In it, Bob Studholm talks about growing up in North Bay, joining the Air Force and making 22 flights over war-torn Europe, winning the Canadian Legion Dominion curling title with Rudy Stesky, the Legion Memorial Wall, and other matters. Please excuse any outdated references.
1: You're from one of
2: North Bay's original
1: families, right?
2: Uh, yes, uh... Uh, my grandpa and grandma was uh, Paul Bernard, and they were uh, classified as, in Hartley Trussler's book, as being one of the founding families of North Bay.
1: Did they come here, did your, did your grandfather come here, railway? Uh,
2: my grandfather came down from Cochrane. Okay. Uh, this is my grandfather on my mother's side, and they owned the block where DeMarco's store is now. I used to go down there. My mother dropped me off and they'd take care of me at DeMarco's store. Next to DeMarco's store where the pizza uh, place is was it? Right. It was a big f- a forge. They had four forges there and they did all of the work for all of the tour all of the lumber camps in northern Ontario. Oh, really? And I used to go over there and being just a little gaffer and one of the guys took a liking to me and he used to have a, a Piece of wood there, and he would set it out there, and he'd say, "Okay, sit there and watch me." <laughs> and I used to sit there and watch him heat the steel up and hammer it into whatever it was for the sleighs and the horses and so on, for Northern Ontario. They sold their house, which is DeMarco's store today. They sold that house to Carmen DeMarco.
1: Oh, boy, that that is going way back. Yeah. Now. You went to NBC-INVS. That's right. Yeah. Right? And, and and it must have been in the days of, of Leo Troy. Right. That's right. I've heard a lot of different stories about Leo Troy, your remembrance of, of him.
2: Well, Leo Troy to me was a very good coach. Like I went there from lower school, which is St. Mary's School is where I was at, and I went over there. And Leo sort of took a liking to me and gave me some training and um, pole vaulting. and. Um, various other things. Anyway, the first year I was at the uh, NBC and YBS, they had a Northern Ontario meeting of all of the schools. Uh, So I put my name in and Leo took me down there and uh, I won two medals. I won the bronze medal uh, for high jump and I won the um, silver medal for pole vaulting. The first year I was at the collegiate. I still have those medals today. Really? Yeah. Leo was, Leo was a very good good coach. Was he a demanding type of guy? or? Uh, no, he'd take me out and show me a thing, and pole hunting, as you know, right. is very intricate. Yes. And he'd say, you're not uh, doing this quite correctly. Here's the way you should be doing it. And so he, uh, I'd practice at it and practice right, at it until right. I got good at doing it the way he wanted it. Actually, I would have won the Northern Ontario that I got the silver medal. I should have won the the gold at that particular time, but something happened in the last one that I made, and I didn't quite make the knock the pole off did you
1: play hockey for
2: him uh yes, I played hockey for him too. I was the goaltender for the n b c i and v s yeah did he make it fun
1: or did he make it work
2: uh, no he uh, he just made it normal, I would say. You know, if you weren't doing it right, he'd tell you. And if you didn't do it right a couple of times, then he'd (laughs) more than tell you.
1: He was former military man in in World War World War One. Yeah. School cadets, I guess, would be something. Yes, yes. Uh,
2: Most of us, uh, when we first went in there in first form, we were in in uh, school cadets.
1: Talking very early forties, or that's right. Because you went into the military.
2: In forty-three.
1: Oh, you must have been just out of school.
2: I wasn't out of school. I, w- oh, really? I wasn't, no. I had finished what we called at that time, second form. Grade 11 now, I think oh, they call okay. it. Yes, and that's that's when I finished. And when I joined the Air Force, they sent me to school in Toronto. W-
1: why was there a family history of the military?
2: Well, my father, yes. My father was, uh, uh, when he came over here in 1912, he worked for the CPR as chief clerk. Then he... He uh, joined the army and he went overseas in the army and he came back. Uh, he had got wounded at Passchendaele and when he came back to North Bay uh, in 1919, the Prince of Wales came to North Bay and presented him with the Military Medal at the CPR Concourse, which is the Oak Street parking lot now. As you know, the Prince of Wales became King Edward VIII mm-hmm. shortly after that. Was that.
1: Why you went in the military in '43 because of your dad's history, or no?
2: Um, well, at the collegiate, there was a large number of people around my age that were joining the Air Force, and and for instance, one I got a picture at home came out of the North Bay Nugget. It shows thirteen people that all I know that uh, joined the Air Force in one particular picture. So uh that's the way it was they the north uh, the collegiate had a great number going to the uh, going to the air force they um, um, as you know, in North Bay, hundred and twenty nine Air Force guys got killed overseas, and of those fifty nine of them were for the North Bay Collegiate Institute and Vocational school. They had seventy one or seventy two people. Um, join the Air Force from there, and 59 of those 72 got killed. That's a terrible fatality rate. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: You're one of the survivors.
2: Lucky. You know, it's not that you're good, it's you're lucky. That's the whole thing in a nutshell.
1: After training, overseas? You went overseas?
2: Yes. Yes, I trained in, mostly in Toronto, and I went to school in, in Hamilton to bring my uh, I just finished uh, grade eleven, right. and to uh, get my full high school, they sent me to school in Hamilton, and I spent uh, six weeks there. But they only taught you three things, like uh, the uh, geography and, and uh, math and and uh, history. Uh, it was the three things that they really taught you there.
1: Okay, wanted you went in the Air Force. Did you want to be a pilot, or did you want to be a navigator, or a bombardier, uh, or...?
2: I wasn't particular at the time. I would like to be a pilot. I was a pilot. Uh, I had a pilot's license for 35 or 40, 40 years, I guess. I just gave it up a couple of years ago. I had my own airplane, um, a Cessna four-passenger float plane, and I flew that from 1966 to the time that... Um, About ninety, I sold it in about two thousand
1: and one. Okay, grade eleven, World War Two is on. You decide to join the military, the Air Force. Did you just want to get out of North Bay?
2: No, I I didn't. I love North Bay. Uh, North Bay was really good to me, and I was playing hockey. And I think one of the reasons why they jumped my uh, uh, entry up into the Air Force was because the. the, uh, I had played for the North Bay All- Stars, which was sort of a group of uh, older players, like uh, McDonald was on it, and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh,
1: uh, Doug McDonald.
2: Doug McDonald, yeah. yes, Doug McDonald was uh, on defense, and Cy Kerr was one of the hockey players then at that particular time, and we were playing against an army team from uh, Chippewa Barracks. okay, and uh, I played a, I, I don 't know, a couple of games with that uh, all-Star team. And I think when I joined up, they looked at that and, and they needed the goaltender in Toronto for the RCAF. <laughs> so they uh, uh I was shipped to machine i was uh, sent down to Lachine and the first day I came out on on uh, parade in at Lachine they called me over and it was a fellow from North Bay that uh, was the sergeant in charge, and he called me over and he said uh, uh they all of us called me Stud, and they said Stud. He says you've got it. He lived a block from my place, so I knew him well. And he was a training sergeant, and he told me, uh, "Go and pack your bag." He said, "You're going to Toronto." So I went and packed my bag, and they sent me down to Toronto, and they sent me over to Ravenna Gardens, and uh, uh, there was a bunch of professional hockey players there that were playing for the R.C.F. and uh, they outfitted me with uh, gold pads and so on. So I, I played, uh, I didn't play any games for them. I was like a sort of a substitute right. for the team. And I played one game, and uh, the rest of the time it uh, was a fellow named Johnny Mowers, who was the goaltender for oh. Detroit. So yes, yeah, yes. Know, <laughs> and, uh, I couldn't compete against <laughs> a guy like that.
1: Okay, uh, you're shipped overseas to England.
2: Yes. And when you go overseas, they put you in what they call an OTU, an Operation Training Unit. Okay. And uh, they put me in that uh, training unit, uh, and I was there for oh, about um, a week. And normally, what they do—about oh, two weeks, I guess. Normally, what they do there is they form the, the crews for bomber command, okay? And uh, they pick the guys out, and, and you go with a certain pilot and a certain navigator, and so on. And uh, I was classified as an air gunner then, okay? And um, the um, so I—but uh, I was more um, uh, in, into training rather than into into um, flying on bombers. Like I had a good gunnery record, that was the main thing. So they, they sent me to an RAS squadron, I was there three weeks, and then they sent me over to 419 Squadron at Middleton St. George, and uh, I've spent most of my time at Middleton St.
1: George. So you were, you were training gunners for bomber command?
2: Not really. Uh, what I was doing was they'd bring in a new turret or for gunnery or new guns, and I would teach the guys how to operate those new guns okay. or what okay. the turret would do—the new turrets that they put in. What, what do
1: you remember? You two years of it? Yes. You must have seen an awful lot of young guys go through.
2: Well, I did, and uh, because I had to write up some of those reports. And uh, the thing was that uh, they always told us, like, uh, don't get too friendly with any particular yeah, guy. Yeah. Be friendly with the guys yeah. in your crew, because they knew if, when you went down, uh, you know, the whole crew was gone. They, they, not to get friendly with too many of the other pilots. But I wasn't really on another crew. The crew that I s- flew the most with was an American guy, was a the pilot. And, uh, they came to me in 44 late 44, and asked me if I'd make a trip with them. I also spared for pilots or air gunners that were sick or couldn't. Okay. I'd fill that position. Navigator, two or three times I filled a navigator's uh, job. That's mainly what they did with me. I was sort of a spare, so it took me a long time to build up the number of trips I made. How many
1: but trips did you wind up having? Twenty-two. This is sorties over Europe. Yeah,
2: that's right. They all have to be over Europe. The um, uh, There's a certain medal, and they only give you that medal when you have one year of flying over Europe.
1: Um, You were what they'd call a generalist then, if you were doing some navigating and some teaching in the gunnery. Why did they pick you to do that sort of stuff? instead of just saying here go in this crew and go overseas and get shot at
2: well I started taking a navigation course to start with and they decided that they had enough navigation people it was uh, i would better than three quarters of the way through the course and a fellow named bill dyke who was born in calendar uh, was the he was in charge of the now na- training the navigation course. Okay. Uh, he was a captain. And uh, of course, when I came there from North Bay, he was glad to see me, a North right, Bay sure. guy in calendar, yeah. you know. And so he came to me one day and he said, uh, I got a good deal for you, study. You know, we're canceling this course. And I said, oh, well, what's the good deal? He said, well, I'll tell you. They need gun trainers." And I said, well, what the hell? I don't know, no- <laughs> I don't know anything about gun training." <laughs> he says, well, it's a six-week course. And after the six weeks, he says, you'll be right overseas. He said, because they got nobody over there. I said, oh, okay. He said, can you, you can get me in the course. Yeah, and I saw he got me in the course. I did my six weeks, and he was right. At the end of the six weeks, I went overseas. I got over a lot faster than, say, an ordinary guy mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. the regular mm-hmm. training would get
1: in. Any frightening experiences on those 22?
2: Well, most of the trips we made at night. And uh, you'd see an airplane blow up, but you couldn't tell whether it was an airplane. It, it was dark, unless mm-hmm. it was a real bright, moonlight night, you know. Right, right. And... Uh, uh, they, uh, But in forty, late forty-four, we started flying daylight raids. So then you could see everything that was going on. Yeah. And uh, we'd fly into places like Hamburg, for instance. I, I think I did three or four or five trips to Hamburg. Uh, you could see all your planes. Like, there'd be four or 500 airplanes flying in the sky at one time, always in visual, yeah. uh, you know, as far as you could see. They had ACAC guns. 88 ACAC guns, and they had those ACAC guns, All the shells were all armed to explode between 18 and 20,000 feet. If they didn't hit you, they exploded and the the flak would fly out of it. Now one little piece of flak, if it hit the bomb bay door, like you were flying, depending on uh, what you were doing that particular time, because the incendiaries were very light, but you usually had six or eight or ten tons of bombs. Uh, they'd be 500 pounders, 1,000 pounders. You'd, you'd get maybe four or five thousand pounders and six or seven 500 pounders, and the balance weight would be incendiaries. And uh, where a small piece of flak hit that bomb bay door. There was nothing. You wouldn't. Uh, there, all you'd see was a big flame and black smoke, and you wouldn't even see parts flying uh, from the thing. It was well, you know, eight tons of bombs uh, going off. Uh,
1: Did. Those 22 trips change your attitude, change your feelings, change anything at all, uh, you think? Or?
2: Well, I wasn't flying day after day after day like most of those other guys. And, and I was a sub, like, and, uh, I, so I didn't fly day after day. Like the guys that were flying day after day, you know, and, and three or four planes that get shot down here, well, there's seven in, in, in each plane, you know. Yeah. So that's 21 guys. You know the whole 21 guys because only 18 or 19 planes would be flying at one time from our squadron. And the other squadrons were the same. They flew about eighteen, nineteen to a squadron. So you knew all the guys that went down. Some of the guys you knew better than other guys. You you know you sort of felt sorry for, but you couldn't do that. You know we had people that did it, uh, like that. What they call LMF. That's what they used to call a person that wouldn't fly. L- lack of moral fiber. That was the word for it. LMF. So if he wouldn't fly. Uh, They'd give him a couple of days to, you know, come back and things like that. And if he decided that he wasn't going to fly, they sent him back home. Mm. Or they made him, uh, put him in some other position that he might be able to do, you know, in the office or... Traumatic experience. That's why most of these people you see that come back, uh, you know, they... A good example, uh, and I think it's sad that we don't pay more attention to the people that received decorations when they were overseas. Like, uh, out of the high school guys from uh, North Bay, NBCI, there were was, was 13 received decorations. And uh, we have three left now, uh, which is uh, Cliff Alger. I don't know mm-hmm. whether you know yes. Cliff or not. Yes. He's in the hospital right now, not doing too well.
1: I'm sorry.
2: And uh, I was up to see him on Friday. and um, But he's still hanging in there and uh, John Baker, and John Baker is in Castleholm, and Fred Andrews, and he's in Castleholm. Now, um, Alger got a DFC, uh, Andrews got a DFC, and Baker got a DFM. Now, a DFM is a, a medal given to a chap before he becomes an officer. The same—DFC and DFM is the same—actually oh, okay. the same okay. medal, so—but uh, they're both in Castleholm, those two chaps. And, so there's only three of the decorated veterans left in the city of North Bay and uh, those guys were did over and beyond the call of duty and they were all over one they had completed one tour which is 30 operations over the over uh, France and Germany they all of them had completed uh, 30 operations When did you start curling? In 1956 uh, I guess it was. I started curling.
1: You came back after the war. Yeah. Started curling with the Legion. Uh,
2: no, I, I just started curling at the Granite Club. Okay. And uh, I curled there for a year or so, and then I met Rudy, asked me to curl with him, and I went and curled with Rudy. And I was with Rudy for oh, well, better than ten years. That must
1: have been an honor.
2: It was an honor because uh, you know, as you know, he went to the uh, mcdonald Briar right. in 1958, right. and. Uh, to get into the he needed a young team, so he was forming a new team, and he asked me if I would curl with him, and I said yes, I would, and I curled a few games with him and a few went into a few uh, bonds fields, and uh, uh, so he, he asked me to stay on with him, and I did.
1: What was he like as a skip?
2: Well, he was the easiest-going guy you ever saw. He never, yeah. ever complained about you missing a shot or not curling good tonight or anything like that. It was all this uh, big, happy smile. Well, you maybe better he luck He did the have a lovely
1: time. smile, didn't he?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. He was a terrific guy. You'd, you'd never meet another guy like that again. What and was he, his
1: curling skill? His curling skill? Yeah, in your estimation.
2: Well, he, he could throw a takeout any time you wanted it, and if the rocks were placed in the right situation in the house, he'd make a triple or whatever. That was his—that's what he more or less— uh,
1: Was he a good tactician?
2: Oh yes, he was one, He was the, I would say, the best in northern Ontario. I never saw anybody better than him in northern really? Ontario. While I was curling with him, uh, when we went out west uh, to curl in the uh, Ontario, uh, to the Canadian champions at Moose Jaw, um, I was curling on another rink at the same time in the Associated Canadian Travelers, and we won out there. <laughs> for the Canadian Championship and we won out with the Legion in the Canadian
0: Championship. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
2: they were uh, a w- little bit of a park, and far enough apart so that I could, we went to the uh, The Legion was the more, most important one and we went to the uh, Legion one and uh, we won it in straight games. There was nine provinces in last that year and we won nine straight games. And uh, Jerry uh, Vilnev and I were picked on the the uh, team, the pro team, for the, of, the, of all of the uh, players there.
1: And Hap McKee was the other guy on yeah, that. Yeah, and
2: Hap McKee, yes, Hap's at home now, he's, uh, well, he's 90, Yes. and uh, he's not uh, in too good a health.
1: He was a great athlete.
2: Yes, he was a great a good football player, extremely good football player, yeah.
1: Legion ranks. What position did you normally play? I
2: played second. Second. Yeah. Uh, Jerry was the vice, uh, as you see it there, Je- uh, vice second, and Hop was the lead, traffic sweeper. Hop the key. Yeah.
1: Those happy times. You, you were three times to the Canadians with the Legion. Yeah. Winning the Canadian title in 1968. You still remember those
2: times? Oh yes. Oh yes. I still bump into the odd person that. Uh, from those times, you know, and uh, we have a great sit down and talk about the time we had, and the fun we had. Are right. agents still into curling? I know they're into the no. track. No. Uh, yes, they still do it, but it's not like it wasn't those days. In those days it was a big thing. It yeah, was next it was. to the McDonald and right, it was. And when we went out, uh, when we—the first—the uh, Alberta team that we played against had knocked out uh, the Richardson brothers. <laughs> they had beat the Richardson brothers to, to get in to uh, to uh, the, the finals.
1: The Legion's been really important to you, hasn't it? And, well, I think the Legion... 406 Wing. And
2: yes, I think the Legion uh, is important to any veteran. And 406 Wing, well, we formed 406 Wing to make an Air Force club because there were so many people from uh, the North Bay Collegiate uh, right. that I joined the Air Force at... Uh, um, you know, there was more Air Force guys got killed than there was Army guys. That's a hard thing to believe, but uh, the Army didn't get into the war until uh, in '44, and of course we were flying right from the Air Force was flying from '39 on. So,
1: you've been really involved in remembering the veterans of of all the wars, including Korea, uh, with with uh, with. I call it the wall of remembrance basically mm. but it, you you call it project Flanders right yeah. why did you get so engrossed in that
2: well I, I got actually by accident again that that seems to be my point I, it always by accident but uh, uh, I had did the uh, a wall for 406 wing up there of all of the decorated veterans okay and um, and and um, they asked me to be on this committee that they were having as a sort of an advisor to help them. So I did. The, it was building up pretty well, and then we ran into some problems. Uh, I don't want to mention the problems, but anyway, we so, so they asked me if I would. Um, they had a meeting, and uh, the chairman, the chairman had resigned, and. Uh, they went around. There were 16 people there, and they went around the table, and nobody wanted the thing. And uh, they looked. Uh, they said, uh, "Well, why don't you take it?" And I said, "Well, I said I, I'm just, a, you know, supposed to be an advisor here." And I said, "The way this looks right now, we we've got to do a lot of changing." And uh, I said, uh, <laughs> "So I said, if you uh, give me some a helper to." Uh, uh, and I was sitting beside Norm Shellington at the time, the cop. Okay. Yes. So Norm says, uh, Bob, he said, uh, I'll help. If, and I said, okay, I'll take it over. But I said, like, uh, I'm sort of strict. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> if the guy isn't doing the job, okay. uh, I, have, I don't have a nice way of telling <laughs> him. So if, if we took it over. And it was in actually real bad. Yeah, it
1: had some problems. Ex-
2: yeah. And, but
1: uh, it worked. You've got a. Beautiful little park there.
2: Well, they said that uh, like uh, a couple of years ago, photographers, the government photographers came here and took a picture of it. And the guy told me, he said, this is the nicest park in Canada. It's the only park that does everything, like all of the wars. Yes. It does all of the wars. It's in French and English. Yeah. So, uh, and and it it tells you how the history is there for what each war is. Uh, You know, if if you bring a history class over there, it tells you why the... First war, second war, and so on, why it started, and how it started, and so on. And it lists all—the wall lists all of the guys that got killed overseas.
1: Great bit of work, Bob. Many thanks for coming and talking with us about your experience as a veteran and and a curler and so forth, forth. and we've sort of scratched the surface, but it's been a great pleasure talking with you.
2: Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, if this was 20 years ago, I'd be much better, but (laughs) I'm in my 80s now. Oh, (laughs) no,
1: you
0: can't tell it. This edition of our Heritage Diary, Voices from the Past with the late Bob Studholm, was originally recorded in 2008 for the Kochiko cable TV production, Life Is, and is rebroadcast in this format through the courtesy of Kochiko, Your TV. Thank you for spending some time with us and listening to our stories. These productions are put together by the North Bay Municipal Heritage Committee, not only to retell old tales, but hopefully to kindle interest in area history. Local lore is important to any community, and we shouldn't let it go unremarked and unremembered. Views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Corporation of the City of North Bay or its employees. Join us next time when we flip another page of the Diary of Our Shared Past. You can reach us at peter.carello at cityofnorthbay.ca. Production: Casey Monkelbaum and Peter Carello. Pete Handley speaking.